0: Welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm
1: Justine. And I'm Sarah. On this podcast, we navigate the world of trauma in the perinatal period, both personally and professionally. Justine and I believe what is uniquely beautiful about this podcast is that the you, as our listener, can be the perinatal professional or the you who desires to have a family, has a family, or may have lost children.
0: We hope you can find what you need as you listen, connect with our vulnerability, and feel witnessed in others' experiences. We talk about trauma on this podcast, so please take care of yourself and meet yourself with kindness and grace.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. I am excited and along with all of you all, I don't know what Justine is bringing in today and I look forward to see what's going to unfold. So Justine, do you want to share the quote that stuck out to you this week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so I was thinking really hard today about what I wanted to share and I couldn't work it out. So I decided I often, well, often is the wrong word. I used to often do my thinking in the bath and my, and I don't have time anymore, so I don't do it anymore, but my husband's out of town. He is in Finland and I have childcare and I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to lie in the bath. I'm going to soak and I'm going to think about it. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about this very precious moment when there was nobody making any demands upon me and I was doing something that had previously been comforting and nurturing, but also where I had done a lot of my sort of thinking. I had lost that time after having had children. And I started thinking about this in the context of breastfeeding. Because when you're breastfeeding, you spend so much of your time nurturing another and also not being able to be separate from another for extended periods of time, particularly depending upon the age of your child. And something else had happened this week for me, which was that I had got called for jury duty. And it looked like potentially I would be out of action for my family for up to ten days. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, I don't even know how i would I would manage this." And I'm no longer breastfeeding during the day. I'm still nursing my son at bedtime and in the morning. But just being his primary person and being the family's primary person, we have the whole thing set up that I am available. For my children, and I'm available to do pickups and drop offs and the whole thing. Or if I have a baby, I'm the one who's feeding the baby. Meanwhile, my husband is in Finland, as I said, so I you know, have this kind of quiet space in my house by myself, which is lovely. But also, he's in Finland, and if he got called for jury duty, then the family would still function and it would be really easy for him mm-hmm. to take that time away. So I was thinking about all of this and about the journey of my own personal journey of breastfeeding and how in some ways it's been powerful and beautiful and I've enjoyed many aspects of it, but it's also been extremely limiting. At times it's been confusing. With my second child, I had to give up breastfeeding before I wanted to. And I had, he had, was diagnosed with failure to thrive. And so we switched to, to using formula. We were trying to do a combination for a bit. And then he, I, then I got sick and needed to go on steroids. And so it just seemed sensible to, to switch him entirely at that point formula. So I'd had that difficult journey alongside some really sort of positive, straightforward breastfeeding journeys as well. So I was thinking about all of this and decided to find a quote. And the other thing I should mention is I'm also preparing a, a talk about breastfeeding. And so I was like, okay, well, I have some, some work here that I could could bring in to this conversation. And, and the one that I picked out that really stood out for me has to do with Well, actually, I picked two. So they both have to do with the way in which our struggles with breastfeeding, not necessarily held by those who are supporting us or supposed to be supporting us, and how we end up feeling quite alone in this process and in the relationship and in trying to work out if it is a difficult thing. What do we do and how do we do it? And what is the right way of going about creating a nursing relationship with our child? And yeah, and I wanted to bring that in and, and just share also this experience of what does aloneness mean as a parent? I guess so. that's you know, what is alone like how do you be alone if you're nursing your child still? So these are my thoughts. And so the quote that I they've got two quotes, they're both from. An article called Women's Experiences of Ceasing to Breastfeed, an Australian quantitative study by Aiton Tesh and Hansen. It's in, from 2019. And it, this is Claire from the, the study. And she shares I wanted to breastfeed. I initially started with breastfeeding, but I had the worst delivery and I got problems. I saw loads of different health professionals, doctors, midwives nurses which was really confusing they didn't trust me and i didn't trust them and then the other quote that i wanted to share was harper's story and she shares everyone before only tells you all the good things about breastfeeding why you should breastfeed but nobody talked about how hard or and how painful it was going to be and then the only advice i could get from people was just keep going just keep going just keep going and one of the things that struck me about both of these quotes is how we're doing a disservice to people when we're not finding out what their story is. Like, what is, what is your story in this journey? What do you want? What are your goals? What are you, what have you been told by someone else? Like, what was their advice? Where are you right now? And think reflecting upon my own story and about how the times when it's been difficult, I've been missing that piece of, as well, of like, for myself, of what do you want from this? And how is, not just how is it going, but what are you carrying with you into this relationship? So those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of pressure on particularly the birthing parent to not get it wrong, sacrifice their body and themselves and their time for this new thing that has been created to meet others' expectations around how they should parent and care for child. And so it's not even that you're just holding this journey of like figuring out what does it mean for you to be a parent or even take care of your newborn. It's like, How do I be all those things in the eyes of others too? And that's what I'm hearing from those two quotes are these people who are struggling with figuring out what's how's best to like feed their child and they're feeling unseen and alone in that. And also the pressure of the world around them to walk this certain line.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And and it's again this like erasure of like who you are and who you were before. Because before you may have had that voice and that advocacy may have been there. And now it's so hard because you're, you don't want to make the wrong decision for your child. You don't want to let others down. You don't even really maybe even know what you want anymore because you've been washed over by all these other expectations or what's in these books are saying for you to do or what the doctor's telling you to do. And where are you in all this? It can feel really lonely.
0: Yeah, and and I feel as though there's two extremes and where is the compassionate middle? So on the one hand, you might have interactions with people where it's just like, just switch to formula. It doesn't matter. Or like you need to switch to formula. And I'm not going to tell, I'm going to tell you what you should do. And it's just, don't even try. You're doing it wrong or baby's not doing well on this. This is what has to happen. And there's no kind of compassionate discussion about what or even knowledge from the person who's sharing that with you about what you could do to continue a breastfeeding relationship in the context of whatever might be going on. So you might be interacting with providers who are on that side of things. And on the other side, then as a Harper shares, right? Like just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Like sometimes some people might feel that they need, like they want to stop and This may be the end of their journey. And is it okay to stop and say, enough Mm -hmm. is enough? I can't keep doing this. And to have that validation that, yes, you and your baby will be okay if your feeding journey is a different journey from the one that you had hoped for. And in both stories, there isn't a centering of the the parent or the mother or the whoever it is who is nursing this baby and who is who is a self that carries what they carry into this interaction and into the story and into the relationship with their child and who needs an individual response based upon a gathering of knowledge about them and a hearing of where are they at, and what do they want, and what are their desires from their feeding relationship with their child? And we're kind of lost. And it's another example I feel as though where the you know, the focus is just on baby and not on us, but we are the ones whose bodies are, also on the line here, like, I, like when I'm nursing my baby, my body is is, it's not my body isn't just a a vessel for their nutrition. Like I exist in this, mm-hmm. and, and I might be really struggling with it, or I might, and I might be really struggling and want desperately for all the tools to continue, and I don't necessarily have the knowledge, to be able to, by myself, to know exactly what I need to be able to continue. Or I might be struggling and, I'm, and I might genuinely be looking for a different path, a path that says, you know, whatever that might be. It might be a, an exclusive pumping path. It might be a donor milk path. It might be a formula path. It might, you know, whatever it might be, but I might be looking for what are the, the alternatives to this because I can't do what I'm doing right now. But are we finding that out?
1: Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we're not finding that out. We're not honoring or listening to the embodied knowledge of the person across from us. We're pushing the person to maybe doubt their embodied knowledge by saying, like Harper's, like, I "Just keep going, just keep going." Well, if we sit with that, just keep going, we can help them on Earth. Like, where is that coming from? And then help them lean in and figure out, okay, if if your passion is to truly keep going what can I do to support you in that? Like, how do you not get lost in that? It makes me think of a story from my sister. She was birthing her third and she had made the decision to to bottle feed him because she would have three little kids. Her husband traveled a lot. So she just was like, this will be better for me. Like, I have this beautiful embodied knowledge of like, this is what I need to like survive postpartum. And she's in the hospital and. The nurse keeps talking to her about breastfeeding and is like, You did it with your other two? Like, aren't you going to give it to this baby? And she's like, No, I'm not going to do it with this journey. You know, she's very calm and stating her how she felt. And the nurse just kept pushing her to the point where my sister just had to let all her emotions out. And she was like, Do you see that I'm at the hospital alone giving birth right now? I cannot breastfeed my child. I'm telling you that I cannot. And it shouldn't have had to take this big, emotional response of her story having to pour out of her for the nurse to finally let something go if she had just heard her in the beginning when she said this is my choice this is what I'm doing like how beautiful would that have been for my sister to be validated in that moment and to be uplifted for making a choice that felt really powerful for her but instead you Shattered that aloneness and you welcomed it into the birthing space. and you then stripped the power of any voice she had moving forward in labor delivery in the postpartum in the hospital because you weren't listening to her words clearly, and she had to scream out in emotional pain to finally be heard. And I just don't understand why we can't hear people sometimes unless they're at the breaking point,
0: yeah, yeah. like I've had. Several clients actually, who for various different reasons hold trauma around their breasts and who have not known before meeting their baby whether breastfeeding would be part of their journey and whether they would be able to handle the experience of and the sensations of breastfeeding, and whose number one wish was for that to be accepted and not to be pressured to feed their baby in this way because while of course there are so many benefits to it, if it is not okay for the person nursing, then that is going to have an impact on or potential impact on attachment. It is going to have an impact on their relationship with their child. If they're not okay if they're experiencing flashbacks or if they're experiencing trauma while nursing their child. And for some, they wanted to be supported in that way and, and to have the resources to find a way of, of still doing it. And for others, there was a choice to say, no, I, I'm not going to open that path because it is just too painful and I want to feed my baby in a different way. And, and then how supportive would it be for somebody to hear that and and then be curious about what would feel good as, as a way of feeding one's baby. And then on, on the other side of that, when I gave up breastfeeding my second, I was devastated. We'd had such a difficult journey. I didn't get help early enough because I was just too overwhelmed with parenting two little children and couldn't ever find the time to find a lactation consultant and uh, didn't know enough about who to contact. And I ended up calling someone in at, uh, I think he was like four months old. And I was, had been for four months so engorged and he just never drained the breast and he was always off. He would, he would latch and then he would, you know, as soon as the letdown came he would unlatch. So every single feed was a struggle to have him stay on. And, and in that appointment, she told me everything was fine, that the latch looked good. And um, in that feed, he did actually stay on for once. It was sort of unfortunate, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the time when you get help and, and then it is a more straightforward feed. And, and then because what she saw was, you know, he stayed on for 10 minutes or something. She went away saying, okay, well, that's great. Just keep doing what you're doing. He's about to get on solids in a couple of months and then you'll be fine. And, and what she didn't do was hear me and the story that I was sharing, which was every feed, except for this one that you've seen, every single mm-hmm. feed, he's not draining the breast and he's coming off. And it's a struggle and he's crying and he's screaming. And then a few months later, the pediatrician was like, even though he was on solids, he was quite old. He, she said, you need to stop breastfeeding and you need to switch for formula. Well, not stop breastfeeding. She said, you needed to add, we needed to supplement with formula. But again, I wasn't given support to continue my journey. So I would have loved to have had, and can I hook you up with an IBCLC? right? Can I, you know, I have a really good recommendation or here's, you know, I really recommend that you go speak to someone, even though he's already nine months old at this point to really kind of see what's going on here. And that would have been invaluable to me because when we switched to, to formula, he still refused to eat. So he, we felt like we were force feeding him. A bottle and force feeding him at, for the period of time that I was still nursing then. So, force feeding him the breast, force feeding him a bottle. He would take solid food, but he wasn't old enough to fully metabolize that. And we could really have done with some lactation support. And I just didn't know enough. And then I'd had this experience with someone who told me that everything was fine. And I felt let down by that. So then I didn't feel like reaching out. And again, there was this story that I was carrying of, I really want to keep nursing my baby. I'm devastated that he's not well. I'm devastated that this journey hasn't been straightforward. But also, all feeding is hard, and so like, there's a story that not just that I'm carrying, but also that my son was carrying, around nursing and also continued into bottles. That we could have done, he could have done with support around, mm-hmm. but where was the the person hearing that? Because instead, it, it was just like you need to switch to formula. Like you need to, you need to introduce a bottle. You need to do these things. And that's what we did. I mean, we, we did those things, but it was a struggle and it was without what felt like support.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few things that are swirling through my mind. The first one is when you said, you know, that you just didn't know enough and I would want to push back on that. I think you knew exactly what you may have needed and you tried to reach out to people to get answers and to get guidance and it was just again put back on to you as the parent to solve it like oh here's the here's the answer here go home and do it you know and i think we carry these burdens as parents of being like if something isn't going right or going wrong we w- we carry it as our our own like if i had just noticed this if i had just done this if i had called them the lactation consultant back to see, like, see, he he doesn't feed, like, see this feed. But we can go down that road, and that that road just takes us into even more darkness of shame and guilt around these choices. And I'm also hearing providers who are just thinking that we have so much more capacity than we may have at that time. And they're just taking for granted that they can. Give us a resource, give us a name, and just send us on our way and not realize that just coming to their office today was probably hard, or just picking up the phone to call that lactation consultant for the first time was already hard. Mm -hmm. So, what would it have meant to you if they had looked at you and said, I hear that this is not the feed that he normally has. Can we set up a time for next week so I can see the feed you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Like that could have been changing for you and you're not maybe walking around with a party thinking like oh i just didn't know enough if if i just known more Mm -hmm. i would have caught this differently no if the expert who you asked to get more information from had listened to you when you said this isn't normal Mm and i need you to see something different i think this journey could have been different or if this expert who's saying i think your son needs to switch to formula we've seen kids have issues with switching to formula. If they're having trouble with milk from the breast, here's what we recommend. Sometimes you have to go to spoon feeding. Like if they'd given you other alternatives instead of just being like, here you go, Mm -hmm. now go do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back to when we talk about like, oh, superpowers, like you can just keep going. I just don't always have the capacity to figure it all out on my own. And that's why I'm here in front of you today asking for your help.
0: Yeah. And asking for you to, to really, truly listen to what is going on. Like, listen to me, listen to my baby, listen to my experience of my baby mm-hmm. and hear the story and hear what the emotional piece is. So it's not just what's going on physically between us. It's also what is What's going on in the relationship between us, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about is baby gaining weight or not. Like imagine a baby that's gaining weight absolutely fine. Baby's doing great, they're getting enough. But the mom or the parent who is nursing this baby is saying, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not like this is feeling like too much or I'm really struggling because I don't want to feed my baby every time I take him to the breast it doesn't feel okay now why is that are we asking the right questions about that and then are we finding out from the person what they want because there are some people who might want to see a path forward in which they don't have to do every feed. Maybe they just do some of them, but not every feed. And so they want to see what that path might look like. But others may want to continue if they are exclusively breastfeeding to continue that journey. And so to be told, oh, you know, you can just give him a bottle every now and then that feels really invalidating but it might also feel really validating for somebody who, who wants that. But so it's like, what is it? Everyone is so individual in this and they carry what we carry into a, a relationship with our child. And one of the things that I just really want people to know is that, that it's you are a unique person in a unique relationship with your baby and they are a unique feeder as well. Like I've had breastfeeders who are really good, and and straightforward and and also really challenging and but it's in the relationship is the kind of key piece here that I think we're forgetting about so often what's happening in the relationship with between me and my child is it feeling good if it's not feeling good what might make it feel good and again turning to as you were saying like what is the embodied knowledge of the person who is caring for this child because maybe in their embodied knowledge they know that this is unsustainable maybe in their embodied knowledge they know that this is something that they can overcome with the right support and we don't know the answer necessarily to those questions so are we asking those questions are we finding out are we truly listening yeah and i just it's such a complex thing I, and and it changes over time so I remember with my first I I had no understanding or expectation that it was going to be painful at the beginning, and yet here I was on day four, whatever it was, and you know my nipples were cracked and it was really painful, and I didn't want to feed him. And here he was needing another feed, and I just didn't want to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and I cried, and I, I fed him, and I cried, and I cried. And yet I didn't want to introduce a bottle, and I would have said no had that been a suggestion. But what I did want was somebody to hear me and for me not to be alone in that. And then over time, that journey became really straightforward. and. And it became an okay thing to feed him. And then later, it became more challenging again because nursing a toddler is different from nursing a newborn. And, and I have a very hard time when they start kind of doing gymnastics around my body. And I have to learn how to set boundaries with what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. And how nice would it have been to have had somebody hear that story mm-hmm. and listen to what I wanted for that relationship
1: with that child? Yeah, I'm reflecting on your your second your story about your feeding your second child, and I've had other clients who've had to walk a journey with a diagnosis of a failure to thrive. Mm-hmm. And I just. Know from their stories how painful hearing those words were from their pediatrician, and how they were given just so easily—like it was just normal diagnosis, like earache, failure to thrive. You know, they're treated as the same. Well, I can handle hearing my kid has an earache so much better than ever hearing those other words. And then I now I'm just imagining you having to go home after hearing that, and trying to lean back into your body even though you're being told that your kid is not thriving and then trying to lean into giving them a a bottle which is not something you wanted on this journey Mm -hmm. so soon and they're not taking it either one Mm -hmm. and now in your head is swimming around okay they're already failing to thrive and they won't continue they won't eat and where do you go with that story like is there a follow-up appointment in like two days to see how they're doing like Who's checking in on you as you're now, like you said, it felt like you had to force feed him. Well, of course it can feel that way because you're being told that your son is not thriving Mm -hmm. and I need to get you to eat. And the doctor's saying, I need to get you to eat. And what do I do with this?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it was awful because hearing failure to thrive, like in my experience, what you hear when you hear those words is failure to parent. And so it's not his failure, it's my failure. And that was, I think that language is incredibly unhelpful. I'm sure there's another term that they could come up with that doesn't involve the word failure. Even if it sounded a bit more medical, that would Mm -hmm. actually be helpful. But I remember afterwards, I drove to the pharmacy Pick up some formula and being completely overwhelmed by the choice and not knowing anything about it. And again, this is where a a contact with an IBCLC, I think, would have been really valuable at this point to help me make this transition. And I remember crying as I picked some stuff up and then going home. My husband had just had dental surgery that day. So he was kind of out of action. And I had just recovered recently from a really severe virus. And so I was still feeling wiped out by that. And I had a toddler at home and then this baby. And I put him to the breast because I still wanted to... To nurse him and cried, and he did his thing of feeding for two minutes and then being done, and then giving him, trying to give him a bottle afterwards, and him refusing, and then the other piece of advice that we had been given was to increase his calorie intake form because he was older, so to to do things like mix butter and olive oil and whatever with his solid foods to really try and in in the high fat content and try and increase the the calorie content of everything and anything that we were giving him or like mix formula in with anything and everything that we were giving him. So we basically just like loaded in as much calories as possible into his solid foods as well. And every single feed felt incredibly stressful. So every, every solid feed, every nursing session. And he was so uninterested in formula and so uninterested in breast milk. And whereas before he had been quite into solid foods, he became less so partly because we were mixing things with formula and I think he really didn't like the taste of formula. So we were mixing, you know, some, I don't know, yummy avocado and I'd like mash up and I'd like mash it up and then I'd stir in a bit of something else into it to try and increase its kind of calorie content. And and then he'd be like, ugh, this stuff is gross. I'd be trying to get him to eat the this gross concoction Mm -hmm. that I had created for him. And yeah, and it felt as though there would be times when you know I'd be trying to give him a bottle at night and to go to sleep just before bedtime, right? So I'd give him a, a nurse him and then give him a bottle. And you know, he would turn his head away and I would. Follow him with the bottle. Right. So, you know, he'd turn his head away and I'd I'd put the bottle in on the other side. And then he'd turn his head away and I'd I'd follow him back again with the bottle and I'd try and get him to suck. And yeah, and it just felt so not only were we failing him because he was not putting on enough weight. I mean, after this, he did actually start to put on weight. So, what we did was successful in, in the sense of the doctor asked for us to come back for another weigh-in, et cetera, et cetera. And so over the period of time that we were kind of um, relatively quickly, actually we did manage to increase his calorie intake and he did actually come back up the the growth chart and and, uh, lost that diagnosis relatively quickly, although we continued to stressfully feed him. But I remember feeling as though not only were we f- had we failed him but we were also continuing to fail him by hurting him while trying to keep him healthy mm-hmm. and i think that was really difficult to to handle because he didn't want what we were trying to do but he needed what he needed, and so and we didn't know any other path. And again, this should have come in right like I really do think that we should have sought out some help at this point to see what was going on for him. The lactation consultant way back previously had said that she didn't think he had a tongue tie, and I think that that was a mistake. I, I think he did have one, but we never got a diagnosis of it, and we it was never treated. But I think that that was definitely part of his story that he was unable to share and that we, because an expert had told us that he was fine, that we hadn't picked up on the need necessarily to get a second opinion. Yeah. And it just felt like we were harming our relationship with him because he has mom and she's supposed to be the one who cares for me. And instead of caring for me, here she is with this horrible bottle thing and she keeps on shoving it in my mouth and I keep on saying no and my little body's saying no, but she doesn't want me to fail to thrive. So she's going to keep on forcing the issue. And, you know, it's sad, right? Like, And I think, of course, he doesn't remember those things now but maybe he holds an embodied knowledge or an embodied memory
1: of us not listening I think that's one of the things when we walk with stories of trauma and we maybe hold within our own body that feeling that someone did not listen it can just heighten that experience even more. Because here are these people who are supposed to be experts and who are telling you this is what you need to do to support your son and becoming his best self, and you're watching his body respond in a way that mirrors a bodily response you know very well. And how do you now hold that that memory and that image mm-hmm. in your mind? Mm-hmm. And I just think there's like this common thread that I think is connected. To feeding and, and caring for our child particularly in feeding no matter what feeding choice we make that that failure word probably is strong in many people and I think about my sister and the, and the nurse's response to her and yes she did breastfeed her first two children but she can't do it with her third and you're making her feel like a failure for this choice being like "Well, you knew the benefits were different i think that these people are the opposite of that they're trying to say expressively what they need and they're being pushed back to then plant that seed of being a failure or being not enough by those around them
0: yeah and i think you know we put it that word on ourselves as well right so if whatever if it's difficult. And often, whatever choice we make can feel, but particularly if we decide not to continue with a breastfeeding journey, then it does feel often like a failure rather than how it could be framed, which is as a positive decision to ensure that this relationship is as healthy as possible. Sometimes my clients will decide to stop breastfeeding because for their own sake, this is what they need and to feel good about themselves. This is the journey that they want to walk. Like to to be able to, for whatever reason, it feels right. They need it for themselves. And what they need to hear is that By taking care of themselves, they are also taking care of their baby. I think what's difficult about my experience with my second was that what he needed was counter to what he thought he needed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he did need to put on calories, like he like put on weight. He did need to be given that nutrient, but he didn't want it. So I think what we needed in that moment, and this is going to be my my kind of takeaway, I think, is we needed help and support around that piece and around what are the options that maybe we haven't realized, or what are the what are the things that we could do to help support him receive what he needs physically while still nurturing the relationship between us
1: yeah and my takeaway from today is that reminder of someone's capacity mm-hmm. and people can present in all different ways and someone may present in a way that i'm sure you presented in those spaces are very knowledgeable and you're asking the right questions and so they just there's this assumption made that this strength to just charge up that hill is inside of us mm-hmm. and it's a reminder that to everyone no matter how they're presenting we can reach out that hand and help them up the hill and if they want to walk beside us instead of a sort of leading that's okay or if they want to walk a little bit ahead but let's not just keep jumping to that assumption that this person can take it on and let's truly listen and lean in and have that handout waiting for them to hold on to it. Well, wow. thank you so much.
0: And I hope you enjoyed listening to us today. And
1: thank you. Thank you.
0: If you like what you've been hearing from us, we wanted to announce our course called trauma informed fundamentals that
1: is now available for you to buy Yeah, this is a completely self-paced course that you can sign up for whenever it works for you and it will give you some grounding and understanding in how do we provide trauma-informed care to other people.
0: One of the things that I'm excited for this course is just how vulnerable and intimate we are in it. And so if you do like this way in which we interact with you, then we hope you'll come join us for this really special program. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. And if you liked today's content, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend or colleague.
1: And if anything came up for you on today's episode, please take a moment today to take care of yourself, reach out to some supports in your community, and if necessary, reach out to a local mental health professional.